The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. Here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, diligent students, to yet another edition of the Star Seminar, your team-taught course in advanced footballology. It is taught by two people who are getting ready to make the transition from professor to pilgrim. Yes, indeed, we will be in Oxnard next year for our annual pilgrimage to Cowboys training camp. I am already in California. Dr. Danny Phantom, who is my co-host and my partner in crime, is soon to be on the way there. And we are pleased as punch and as excited as can be to have one last final pre-training camp conversation about our beloved Dallas Cowboys. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. You know, I am trying to get things finished up here before I uh, make my voyage down you know south to to join you in uh, sunny california uh got almost everything done uh today i had to spend a couple hours in the dentist's office uh Ooh. which you know what Ooh. it wasn't that bad rabs i actually was just kind of sat there and you know i was just zoning out i'm just in my mind i'm practicing remembering all the numbers of all the players in camp <laughs> so, so i can know who's who you know and i just kind of like just mentally checked out and let them do their thing. And I just don't mind the dentist. It was actually, you know, just kind of chill, you know? So, uh, and to, and then I get done with the dentist and I, immediately when I go out in traffic, I'm just, now I'm just mad at the world. It's like, I, I could, I would rather spend, you know, two hours at the dentist than a half hour stuck in traffic. So wow. I just do not like it at all. That's one of the, one part of the trip I'm not looking forward to is hitting that LA traffic down there. And I just don't like waiting. And also I just get so aggravated because it's always, be, we're always stuck because of some decision, some idiot made. And I just, I don't know. I don't like that at all, but just traffic is just something that I dread. And I just, and, and in my life that I just, I don't like it at all. And I wanted to ask you: Is there something? What? What? It's, give me something that that you absolutely dread. Well, I cer- I certainly think that one of the things I I dreaded the past is go- was going to the dentist. It was a period of many, many, probably a, a, at least a decade. I didn't go to the dentist, and I finally went, and it was great because the dentist was like, "Yeah, your teeth are in great shape. You don't have any cavities." So I was like, "It's a miracle! <laughs> I can't believe it." I'm not coming and, back again for ten more years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in that case, I only I only need to come back once a decade. <laughs> Uh, I will say though this is this is actually something that might surprise you because um you know I I've been a professional writer as an academic for for various periods of my life you know me initially as a fellow writer of of the Dallas Cowboys etc um I'm a good writer if I don't say so myself um and I've been told by many people that I'm a good writer but I actually really dread writing and I tend to put it off and put it off and put it off so I, I, I don't like the process. I like once you get past a certain point, um, but the process of just, you know, getting it out on the, on the, onto the blank page is one that I really don't, I don't like at all. And, and it's actually very challenging for me. So I would say, I would say, uh, yeah, I, I sort of dread that and, and put it off as long as I can. Wow. That does surprise me. I mean, 
Yeah, I would not have. I would not have pictured that. I I do know there's times where just like when you just got nothing upstairs, or it's like you just can't come up with something, or and it, uh, there are moments where I'm not excited about it either. But I would take that over being stuck in traffic. I tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, I'll tell you one thing. In one area we're not stuck, and that's in today's today's uh, podcast and our, our our agenda for today. So, um, you know. You could reach out to me earlier in the week uh, because our dear friend, one cool customer, the great OCC had written an article and, uh, and it was about roster battles and training camp. And you said, you know what? I think this is our conversation for today. So I, I, I took a look at the article and after reading it, I said, I couldn't agree more. And so we actually reached out to OCC and he's going to join us today, which is awesome because, you know, OCC is Cowboys is training camp so it's like the all of our worlds are coming together and all the planets are aligning in a beautiful way i thought however before we get into that given that we're talking about or talking with occ today i wanted to reach out to you and get a sense of who is on your cowboys writers mount rushmore because occ is definitely on mine so we got mount rushmore we got four figures who are your four cow- all-time cowboy rider greats? Oh, geez. Rabs, why would you put me on the spot like that? Because oh. that's how I roll, my friend. Oh, geez. It's like, hey, we're getting ready to go Oxford, have fun. Hey, by the way, I want you to start single out some people and uh, tell me. You know what? That, that's a great question. It's uh, I, I do have favorites. Uh, I don't know if it's really hard to to rank them. But I will say I totally agree with you. Um, when I first you know, join blogging the boys and I come over and I, uh, I got to give my buddy here an honorable mention. I know you've been out of the game quite some time, but I mean, you got, you were one of the reasons that you know, helped bring me to the site. So I enjoyed your stuff. Uh, so unfortunately it was short lived uh, as far as, uh, you know, as soon as I showed up, not too much longer, you're not around anymore. And, uh, but uh, I will have to, I definitely agree. The cool one is on the list because it, you know, He's an auto read, you know. You, I know we say that, you know, we use that phrase every once in a while. To, but when you, when you come across somebody, I don't even care what the topic's about. You're clicking on it, you're opening, you're reading it, and OCC's got, you know, he's got a really good sense of humor. I own, and I, I got to remember to bring this to training camp. I own a Fear of the Star T-shirt that I want to bring down and wear with, you know, with Lars there. But uh, definitely, uh, the cool one is on the list. Uh, I always enjoy reading uh, John Machota's stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we've had him on our show too. I think he's a very knowledgeable fan, and uh, I really like the way he structures his writing too. Very easy to read. Um, mm-hmm. Like my, my like Machota. I, I also think that uh, David Hellman. I know that he doesn't write for the Mothership anymore, but I always enjoyed when he d- did. Hellman's one of those guys that he has his own opinions about things and he doesn't care, you know, he's not afraid. And well, you see it on the, on, on the show. I mean, you could see him when he's battling out with uh shady McCoy and uh Hellman's that that's his style. And I, I love how that he brings that very much in the know, but has those opinions, has a little bit of flavor that he brings to. And another guy, this might be one that's surprised to, to, to put on the rush more because I mean, technically he's only been like a big, Big time writer for not that long, but that is Patrick Nosey Walker, and oh, I have enjoyed call. Patrick's stuff for a long time. And you want to talk about his own style and um, you know just doing his own thing and the references and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. he he'll take you on a on a fun little ride. And so I hashtag science, yeah, hashtag, hashtag science for sure. <laughs> uh, so I think that there's my list. I'm probably leaving, leaving people out. I mean, if uh, there's, I can make a bigger mountain with some great writers uh, for sure. But uh, those, those are the ones that stand out to me, but Rabs, what about you? So uh, we share two of the same. So uh, OCC obviously is the reason I brought this topic up. And I, I actually uh, just like you really admire John Mishota He's one of the beat writers who um, is both, you know, he's, he's a diligent guy who's a good reporter, but he's also got good takes. Um, and, uh, and he, and he, and he can cover a, a fairly wide variety uh, of topics and he's the best videographer at, at, at training camp every year. So every year he always mm. has all the best, all the best little, little video snippets and everybody, everybody there is sort of in awe of the fact that he's always seems to manage to be in the right position to get the right angle for the great, for you know, to capture the great play, et cetera. 
So the other guys that are on my list are guys who, you know, as an old head, I, I, I owe obeisance to these guys because I grew up reading them. The, 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 the writer who got me interested in writing for the Cowboys, who made me think there was something I could and want and would want to do and sort of opened up a, a possibility for a way of writing about the Cowboys where you could be literate and you could have references from other, from movies and other things is the great Rafael Vila. Rafael Vila is still an admirably succinct writer. He would write a, a training camp summary that actually, that accurately captured all of training camp, all of the little things that happened. And it would be, you know, in a page and I would do the same training camp summary just as accurate and just as detailed, but somehow it took me two and a half pages. He was just such a, such an, economical writer but he managed to convey so much within that economy always admired him for that and then the other guy of course is the great bob stern bob is for me you know belongs and will will never be removed from that uh, from mount rushmore even though he was sort of summarily uh ejected from the athletic for reasons that are beyond me um but I, the thing I think that's most admirable about, about Sturm is that he continues to want to be a student of the game and wants to continue to grow in his ability, whether it's analyzing tape for the draft or understanding the way that, you know, the salary cap or something else works. So he's always, he's always like, you know, b- working on his game and he's in a position where he doesn't have to, he's, he's already at the top of, uh, of the game in terms of sports talk in, in the, you know, DFW, he doesn't need to do the work, but he continues to do the work to improve himself. And I really admire that. So those are, those are my cats. Um, you know, a couple, listen, I'll, I'll give you an honorable mention. I know that, you know, I, from the very beginning, I, I always admired your writing. Uh, and I, in fact, connected you with a couple of, uh, at least one gig, because I, I thought that That's you, right. know, you were a good, you would be a good writer for that and the kind of thing that they were looking for. You know, and I, I too, you know, wish we had had more of an overlap and an opportunity to work together earlier, you know, when you first started with BTB. And so that's one of the things that makes me happiest about the fact that, you know, we're now podcast partners as we get a chance to connect here, even though we didn't, uh, you know, uh, on the pages of BTB itself. But speaking of the pages of mm-hmm. BTB itself, what would those pages be if they had never been graced by the great OCC? It would be a a wasteland my friend so i'll tell you what let's get it let's get the guy in here who uh was the most prolific and uh and just insightful writer for btb for the better part of a decade the great one cool customer every year as we prepare for training camp and the calendar circles back around to the moment where the cowboys landed on oxnard my thoughts turn to the greatest of all cowboy writers and a man who is for me always connected to training camp the great OCC and it is a succinct pleasure to have you here to talk about training camp the cowboys roster etc as we embark upon yet another campaign welcome sir thank you gentlemen for the warm welcome always a pleasure to be here you know, it's uh, funny, we've met via Zoom before when you've been on the, the show with us, and we've watched the draft, a little bit of the draft together too, and so it's going to be a real honor when we are, I'm able to hang with you next week in Oxnard, California, so super excited about that, but you know what, I'm also super excited whenever we get an OCC article that, you know, Grace is blogging the boys, and, and we got one this week, and uh when I saw it, you know, I immediately reached out to my good buddy Rabs. It's like, you know what? This is our topic. This is what we're going to talk about. You know, we're still training camp news is still trickling in. We only have a handful of nuggets to really discuss. But one of my very favorite things to do, and and, and Rabs, you know this about me, is I love predicting things. Uh, this is the time when we finally get to see what stuck. You know, all the, all our little um, narratives that we have during draft and everything. You know, we get to see some players play and get to finally start to see how things evolve with the roster. However, one thing we've learned is that, you know, there's really just not a lot of positions that are up for grabs. Now, the the turnover from year into year is pretty pretty good. I mean, more than one might think, you know, when you talk about, you know, the free agents and the, and the draft picks, undrafted free agents. There's a larger group, you know, than you might realize. However... When it comes down to it, the actual battles, very small. But that is going to be our focus for today. And, you know, the cool one, 
wrote a great article out. It came out on Tuesday, I believe. Um, go check. I, I encourage everyone to go check that out. But the key thing from his article is he, he highlights just a handful of roster battles, positions that we should be looking at. Really, the the, the ones that are up for grabs, and that's what I wanted to talk about today. So, the two of you, uh, with we'll put all our minds together, and I want to just focus in on these battles and just try to get a sense of like really, you know, who who has a, a chokehold on the position and, and how some of these battles could shape up. So the first one, I want to just stroll right through. Nothing to see at quarterback, nothing to see at running back. Now, granted, depth charts still need to be filled out at the running back position group, but, you know, we pretty much for, have a good sense of who's going to make the team. But things get a little bit uh, dicier when it comes to wide receiver position. So... Let's start there. We will lock in uh, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup. The big three are there. We all expect the Cowboys to give second-year, third-round pick Jalen Tolbert every opportunity, so lock him in as well. But then we got a couple other guys. We have Simi Fihoko and then our USFL MVP last year, Kamante Turpin. So those guys on the fringe, who you think makes the team? Or, you know, are there any other... Guys that you could see slip in at wide receiver. Lars, where is your mind at with wide receiver? So, so first, a couple of comments. This is not, uh, you know, this is not my analytical prowess that that brought this uh, file together. These are actually uh, projections from David Helman from Fox Sports, uh, Todd Archer from ESPN, John Makota from uh, from the Athletic, and the Honorable uh, Danny Rogers. Great group uh, so of guys, you. by the way. Great group. Yeah. So I, I basically just summarized uh, the, the consensus for what uh, people expect right now to be the guys making the roster. And as you said, the top guys are pretty much set. Uh, Lamb, Cooks, Gallup, Tolbert. Uh, barring a surprise, those those are the four guys. And then it's a question of how many uh, wide receivers will the Cowboys keep? And the file here, or the the, the, the article, uh, you know, this pinpoints Simifoloko and Avante uh, Turpin, but... There are two other guys. Um, uh, one is is, uh, is our draft pick, sixth-round draft pick, uh, J- seventh-rounder, Jalen Brooks. Mm-hmm. Nobody mentioned him. And, in, in fact, I haven't heard anything from him. Now, given you know, it's only two days of camp, so, so you can't hear very much. Plus, we're hearing some stuff uh, uh, after two days of camp about Marino Cropper, the, uh, the UDFA. Mm-hmm. So there might actually be more competition for you know roster spots five six uh, than uh, than we anticipate, and and uh, Moreno Cropper might be one of those unusual UDFAs who suddenly you know pop into into the conversation uh, as as we're going along, and are, are nobody's radar. Might be others on the roster that we don't know yet. But that's it. Rabs, do you see? I mean, one one player that. Um... Uh, Lars didn't mention is Dennis Houston too, and mm-hmm. there's a play. He was oh. the guy. He was all the craze last year this time, but then you know opening day starter. Hell, he opening day starter. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so it, it, it's really honestly, it, it's this is one of the toughest ones to to really get a, a grasp on because you don't even know, like with Marino Cropper, too, you don't even know how good you should feel about that. It, uh, where are you at as far as these guys? I mean, do you think Fihoko's in a good shape? Is Turpin even a lot, or do you think he's he gets in? I think that their off-season behavior suggests that they were not satisfied with Cavante Turpin. I think there's something about, you know, he was, he was, he's a, he's a really great story. And he obviously, you know, this time last year, uh, or a little bit later than this time last year, you know, he had a big preseason game with a couple of dynamic returns that he never really ever, you know, did had a game of that magnitude during the season. He never got on the field. I don't know. It just feels like they're they're They've brought several different players who, fit his kind of athletic profile and his potential contributions to the roster in this year. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking to create competition for that, for that role or to find someone who can maybe be a slightly less dynamic returner, but a more dynamic, you know, fifth receiver or a gadget, a gadget receiver. I, I think that, I mean, as athletic and as quick as he is, the fact that they, they couldn't get him in, in the game, you know, for jet sweeps and things like that. I think was was fairly telling because it was an offense that could have used some dynamism. Um, I, I I had heard during the off season that they were really excited by by uh, by Simi Fajoko, um, who I, I think they were actually excited by 
given his his training camp performance last year, and then he got injured and never really recovered. So I think that I think they're going to give him every shot to to make the roster. I think he's he's one of those guys who's um, who basically has the kind of athletic profile to do what Noah Brown did for years, right? Big special teams guy. He gives you some size. He can play essentially a, a glorified undersized tight end role. He, you know, you can split you can split him in pretty tight, and he he, he can he can block and do some of those other things. I think they're going to give him every opportunity to to basically make the rocker, roster as the fifth receiver um, in that kind of role. For me, it's really just a question of you know can he do it, and then and then be. Are, are are they going to be um, captured by somebody who can in some ways be like that lucky whitehead type of guy, you know, but maybe a more dynamic version of lucky whitehead. Cause I think that, or, or even like Tavon Austin, right. They keep, they keep bringing those kind kind of guys in to be like the fifth or sixth receiver who uh, a little bit undersized, a little jitterbuggy kind of guy who can, who can, um, you know, maybe offer you a little bit of, you know, a, a little bit in the running game, a little bit in the passing game. Um, maybe even, even some as a, as a returner. I, I think that that's a, that's a, a kind of positional profile that they're that they're interested in. It's just a matter of who who can fit it. So I think if they can find guys to fit both of those, let's just let's just call them the Lucky Whitehead and the Noah Brown positions. If they can find someone who can check the boxes that those that those I think position um, those sort of down roster wide receiver position requirements um, ask for, then I think that those guys will make the team. Yeah, I totally agree there, and I think that's one of the reasons why one of my sleepers here is a guy we haven't mentioned yet is uh, David, Dirt, David Durden, and I think because he does play as a gunner and he can return. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I haven't heard anything about him in camp. You know, it's been Marino Cropper who's been flashing the plays so far, but I definitely think both those guys are uh, equally uh, worth keeping an eye on. And I, honestly, I really don't know how this group's going to shape shape out because well, there's. There's another guy who might uh, fit into the equation, and that's Deuce Vaughn. I saw him taking uh, punts uh, this morning in camp, or, or yeah, today in camp. And uh, you know, if he, if he can do the coverage stuff, um, and he's he's uh, ready for all the all the trick plays, he can do those as well. That might be a serious competition for uh, for Turpin. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I I tell you what, as far as making the team, even I would even. I would go, I don't think it's any higher than 50-50 for Turpin making the team. I think he's really close to just being maybe on the way out. And it, it, it really is going to come down to like what you guys are talking about, if some of these other guys could step in and yeah. and fill those roles. And uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to turn out. But I'm also at the same time, it's tough to get excited about it because even when you are, you don't even know what that even means. And, you know, like and the, the, the draft pick too, J, you know, Jalen Brooks, like I, I've, I'm not even giving him any thought at all. So I mean, this whole thing is just mm-hmm. complete open to me. I, I mean, I, I think that Jalen Brooks ends up probably on the practice squad. He probably needs a year of seasoning anyway. I, and I just don't think in today's NFL, with the with the way they've changed special teams in the return game in the last few years by changing the rules, that you that it's it's such a luxury to have a return specialist who only get only returns. I think that unless that person is incredibly dynamic, it's just not worth it. Yeah, and that's and a, so that's a they're good, gonna need. I think they want to find someone who can do other things, who can contribute and add value elsewhere than just really. When you think about it, in, in in addition to punt returning, because kick returns are basically being phased out of the game. Right, and that's too with Turpin too. It's like we were all asking ourselves, where is he on offense? How come how come they're not using him more? And and he has not shown the ability to actually earn those, you know, be worthy of those reps. So and if that doesn't change, Absolutely. then why why are you you know you're going to keep him around just for that you know just as a returner. So no, yeah, totally agree. Um, so let's move on to tight end. That's another position that there's a little bit of room. Maybe um, I think, you know, the big, the main three are all going to make it there with Fergan, Ferguson, uh, um, Shoemaker and Hendershot. They're all going to be there. Not quite sure what kind of roles they're going to have. I was, some of us expecting the rookie to have a little bit of, you know, learning curve. So we should probably it's likely to see a little more Ferguson early on than some may may think. Um, but outside of that, not really, not not a whole lot else to. I mean, there's the the good old Sean McKeon, who's you know, I was surprised didn't make the team last year, but you know, didn't they didn't need him? Turned out, but they kept kept him on the practice squad and then brought him brought him on when they did. And uh, I think he's a very good, you know, a viable inline blocker. Certainly gives them a little bit of a floor there in case 
somebody, one of these other guys is not available. Uh, but there's also some, you know, undrafted free agents, and particularly one that's not even a, technically a tight end that could uh, work work themselves into the mix too. So, Lars, what are your thoughts on the final tight is tight end spot? Are you seeing where are you seeing this going? Well, I'm I'm going with the guy from the other position. I think you're you're talking about Hunter Lupke. Uh, the fullback, right? Uh, I think he has. Uh, he doesn't show up in any of the projections here, but I, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I haven't seen him. I don't know what whether he's good or not. I've seen some highlights, but this could be a guy that offers them the versatility they're looking for. He can play fullback. He can play tight end in a pinch. He can block. Uh, so he might be that uh, that multi-purpose weapon that they could be looking for in in the offense uh, over McEwen. Yeah. I was actually going to say, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I I agree 100%. I was going to say something very similar. In some ways, he's not... He's not a traditional fullback. He's not a John Kuhn. I think when they when they brought him on, everyone said, oh, yeah, Mike McCarthy, John Kuhn. He's a sort of typical fullback who will do a little bit of receiving. He's, that's not his game. He's actually a big running back. He's more like Mike Allstott. But he, so he's somewhat, he's a sort of weird hybrid between a big a big running back and like an F-back, right? Not a fullback, not a blocking fullback, but an F, F-back who can, who can do a little bit in the passing game and, and is fairly versatile. And I, I, I think it's going to be, be worth watching. But one of the things I suspect is probably going to happen – because we've seen this happen in, in his previous stops, is that Mike McCarthy is going to value guys with that versatility. So I think that the fact that, that uh, OCC signal, sing, singled him out and, and mentioned his versatility, I think is, is absolutely the right thing, because I think that that's where he's, where he's going to be seen as valuable. And, we, and Dan, Dan, you and I talked about this when we had our podcast about the UDFAs, when we were talking about, is he going to knock a running back off the roster? And I, I said at the time, I said, the guy he's going to knock off the roster, I think, is Sean McEwen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing, too, if you look at it, the way, even the way they use McEwen, too, McEwen pl- plays, gets reps at fullback. So, I mean, yeah. you don't even have to say it's really is he's, he's not, you know, your typical mm-hmm. tight end, because it doesn't matter. It's the way the Cowboys use their tight ends. So, you know... I remember the video with, I think it was Nick Ralston, was another mm-hmm. un, undrafted free agent a couple of years ago. You know, him pulling the truck or something. It was on Twitter, and everybody got excited about him. It's like, fine, you know. <laughs> and that's why I'm trying, that's why I'm a little bit slow in my role with uh, with uh, Lupke. Yeah. But I will say this I think there's some more athleticism there. I've, I've seen some, you know, nice, you know, pass catching ability, and I, I totally agree with you guys. There's some good. Uh, flexibility with what the skill set that he can bring the team. So yeah, he's got some hips. He's got a little wiggle. He's got a little for wiggle, a big man. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm so I would think that if I had to put my money on anything, that he would be one of the the top, you know, pet cats, uh, you know, or undrafted free agent favorites that that create a lot of buzz in camps. And and you know, so I'm really excited to see see if that starts happening. I also I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think it's also when we talk about fullback, it's really important. It's worth mentioning fullback slash tight end, right? That that with the new special teams rules in the last few years, it's put a bigger premium on players who are in the 250 pound range, right? Because it used to be that a lot of special teams had a lot of linemen, but the way that the rules have changed, it's it it means that a lot of those um, places where like big linemen would play special teams are now being populated by guys who play fullback uh, or, you know, fit fullback and or linebacker profiles. And so when we think about the numbers, we're really going to have to think, are they going to have enough fullbacks slash tight end types and enough linebacker types to fulfill that? They're going to need probably eight to 10 guys in that 250 pound range. So when we get to the linebackers, I think we should circle back to that idea because, um, you know, they're, they're not going to just take three tight ends. They need someone else unless they go really heavy at linebacker, right? Those two positions are linked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point too. Um, but keeping with some blockers on the <laughs> offensive line, let's uh, just, you know, looking at the offensive line um, roster, I think there are a lot of positions that we still don't know who's going to be playing where and like who's going to be the backup this this spot and the backup that spot. There's a lot of things that need to be answered. But I do think the the meat of the offensive line is already known. You know, I think that we're going to see the the um, the rookie. You know, Asim Richards is going to he's making the team. You know, I, I think uh, Chuma Adoga, the free agent, is is good enough. He's a good a good reserved. I think he's making the team. And then of course, we we're still waiting to see um, 
Matt Walotsko, um with you know w- with a healthy shoulder what he could do, and then the 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 most experienced reserve guard they have is Matt Farniak, who's shown that he can do what what's asked of him, even though he doesn't really have the power that you'd hope for in your interior offensive line. And then of course the the one you know the controversial one that people don't really like to talk about a whole lot is uh, Josh Ball, you know. But if you look at the Cowboys depth chart and who's getting you know who's getting reps with Zach Martin gone. It's you know Josh Ball is one of them, so he's certainly in the mix too. I know that he was on my list as well as Machota's, so didn't make Archer's or Hellman's. But well, what are you guys' thoughts on with uh, rounding out this offensive line? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I think I think uh, this is the point where we have to talk about the great equalizer in uh, roster projections, and that's uh, suspensions and injuries. Now I don't know whether we're in year seven or eight, where a Cowboys player is suspended at the start of the season, or we were actually didn't have a suspension last year. I don't remember. Uh, but also injuries. Uh, you know, our guys, uh, the top guys, are getting uh, long in the tooth. Uh, we know that uh, that Tyron Smith always has issues and he'll probably not play a full season this year. And it's his last season under contract anyway. Uh, so um, I agree with the assessment. There's going to be nine guys. Uh, Ball is probably the odd man out, but don't count him out uh, because there's bound to be some issue that requires the team to, to keep him around and, and maybe, maybe uh, make him a uh, game eligible. If you know, one of the other guys um, is injured or, or, or can't, can't step up. You know, we've seen this lots of times over the years where they'll bring in a veteran free agent uh, as a sort of insurance policy or a placeholder in, uh, as insurance in case one of the young guys doesn't develop. Like we saw that, I can't, it was like Rodney Poole several years ago, I think was brought in at safety. And then I think J.J. Wilcox developed and they got rid of Poole and that was it. It was, but he was there as sort of like J.J. Wilcox failure insurance. Um, and part of me wonders if if someone like Chuma Adogba is there as as roster failure insurance for someone like ball. And so I do wonder if, if ball steps forward, if someone like a dogba then becomes expendable, I'm not sure how much they like him. If they really think of him as, as a legitimate, you know, um, rotational piece, potential starter, uh, or, or maybe the next guy up. If, if something happens to Tyron Smith and um, Tyler Smith has to kick out, or if he's really just there as development insurance, because they do have a couple of young guys they like, but those guys didn't do much of anything in the last year or two. And, and, and they did exactly the same thing last year when they brought in Jason Peters uh, exactly. because they were not sure, you know, what's going to happen at left tackle, what's the situation there, let's bring that guy in. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, so it, really, it's, it's, a it's a difference of when they brought him in. That's really the only mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think another piece to this, too, is besides the main guys, is which of these other guys are, are performing and what position are they? do they play? Because where you need your flexibility at it is going to mean a lot, too. And I think that's kind of where, what could end up punching Ball's ticket. And since if he's the guy that can, he's one of those tackles that can come in and actually play the guard spot, the the strongest, then, you know, that bumps his value there. So I think there's a lot of moving pieces there, and it's it's going to be curious to see how this shapes out. I, and I don't know. I mean, but I will say this. If you look at the list, it's a list I'm happy with. And I, I'm in a different spot than I was this time last year. Of course, I didn't, I wasn't, I underestimated about how good uh, Tyler Smith was. Um, but it's a good list. So even if, uh, 
you know, we're, we don't get the, the players that stand out like we hope. It's, it's still pretty safe floor, I think. Um, so we'll see how, this, how that shapes out. But let's just move over uh, to the defensive side. Um, on the defensive line, really, there's a lot of things that are already answered for us, especially on the edge. We have a really strong edge group. I look at these the list of names here, and I'm just like super pleased with it. I don't know who's going to stand out and get the most reps. I, I mean, you could, you could have the veteran Fowler end up, but you could have the youngster Williams be. I mean, just so many good players there. Love the def- uh, defensive end spot. Defensive tackle, also st- still pretty solid. Don't think there's a lot of mystery here. Uh, there was one um, name on that list, which is actually really the only question is, uh, you know, will Neville Gallimore make this team? So, Rabs, why don't you kick us off here? What, what, give us your thoughts. Gallimore, is he going to be a Cowboy this year? Uh, well, I'm on the record as saying I don't believe so. I, I think that I think that he was always kind of a tweener. I think that, you know, under McCarthy, they do want to differentiate a little bit more between their one tech and their three tech. And they, they've got those big body one techs. They've got those, little, you know, the, they've got depth at three tech now. They have two or three guys, especially if, if um, Junior Fajoko can can show that he's capable of, of at least taking some snaps. Um, and I think Golston was a real revelation last year when they kicked him inside. I think he, I think he really found something there. So I just don't know that there's a spot for Gallimore. I think it's one of those, you know, if you look, if, you know, the, if you follow Parcells or, or even Landry, you know, I think Parcells learned this from Landry. You give a guy three years, he's had his three years, hasn't done much. And I, I, I don't know that he fits this particular construction. Yeah, no, I totally agree. My, me personally, I think it's the only chance he's got is if somebody gets hurt, but Lars, do you feel any differently about Gallimore? Yeah, a little bit. I, 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 I like him more than you guys do. Uh, I still don't think he's going to make the roster, <laughs> but I think, uh, but I think for a different reason. I think they're going to trade him. Hmm. Uh, he's good uh, enough to play on other I would teams. Love to see that. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and you know, if I, 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 I like to compare him to Malik Collins. Now, he left uh, for the Raiders and then the Texans, and now signed a twenty million dollar co- two year contract. That's not bad, and I think he's kind of on the same level in the right scheme, maybe. Uh, so that might be a trade bait. And the other guy that I'm thinking that I would at least explore the options is Durant's Armstrong. Because we have four edge guys now, plus Micah Parsons is five edge guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you want a lot of edge guys, understand that. But if the price is right, that's a guy, because we need to get, you know, Sam Williams, if he's the real deal, we need to get him snaps. And we can't pay Armstrong $7 million per year to have like two or 300 snaps. So... Two guys on the defensive line, and defensive line is for sure a strength of this team, that I would at least dangle as trade bait. Now, that might not happen, but uh, uh, it would be, you know, if you, if you release Gallimore, you know, well, that's a failure. You know, I think it also tells you what the league thinks of him, right? So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, if the league is interested and in, intrigued by his skill set or his tape, then someone will pony up a third-day pick. Well, a third-day pick or a straight-up trade for, yeah, you know, yeah. whoever gets injured or a player-for-player player thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, the, the Cowboys have done that before. They've been active in, in, in trades like this uh, of down-roster guys, and mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think that – I don't think he's a bad player. I was super excited when they drafted oh. him, and, I mean, I just think it really it's just a numbers thing for him. They just don't have room because you're going to have to give these younger guys a, a chance with the – you know, Junior Fihoko, and you know, like I say, the Golston started to flash a little bit last year. So I mean, where would he even fit in if, like, everybody's healthy? It just they just don't have room, and that's really what it comes down to. That's why you're absolutely right. Yeah. Trading him is perfect, and you know, it may it may not return much, you know, but um, you know, he's definitely roster worthy in my opinion. I just don't don't think it will be on the Cowboys roster just because they just don't have enough room because that's there's just too yeah. many good defensive linemen on this team. And I will say this, though. Gallimore, as excited as I was about him at one point, it's I have lost a little bit of that luster for him because I feel like he has had opportunity, but it feel, I just don't know that it's actually turning into anything. And So he's he's a good, okay player, but he's really not as as good as what I thought he was going to be. So, I mean, I don't think... Yeah, he's, one of, he's one of my great failed predictions. I, 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 got, I was on these very same airwaves a couple of years ago before the season started. I thought... Uh, I made. I said I think he has an opportunity to sort of make a, a leap to Pro Bowl status, and in fact, he did nothing of the sort. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've, I, it's 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 a shame because I 
couple training camps ago, he was really strong. You know, he looked great, and I just never quite, never, never translated. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens there. Um, another spot that has a lot of bodies but a lot of questions is linebacker. Uh, I think uh, the, they're pretty good up top. You know, of course, I don't know how many reps uh, Micah's going to get uh, this year at off-ball linebacker, but if, but basically Van Der Esch and Damone Clark, they got the bulk of it covered. And then moving on the depth, you know, we're going to see the rookie, uh, DeMar- DeMarvion Overshone. Not sure exactly how much we'll see, you know, as he gets acclimated with to things. Um, but then things are a little bit, you know, this is where it becomes a little more uncertain to me. We all had Jabril Cox making the team. I also like uh, Devin Harper, and I, I know we didn't get to see as much of him last year, but I th- I think the athleticism is there. To me, he's he's once he's ahead of uh, Jabril Cox. Um, I really think that whatever excitement I had for him at one point has just gone. I don't I don't know what's happening with him. So that's where I'm at with. With those guys, so how's this final battle at linebacker going to, you know, turn out, Lars? What what are you thinking there? So uh, right now we have uh, six linebackers listed on on, on the list, yes. including Harper. Yes. Now we have to take Parsons out, so that's five. Um, and they're going to need at least five. They may even keep six. Uh, and uh, Rats just mentioned, you know. Uh, the, the, the prototype of guys they're looking for in special teams, that's linebackers. Mm-hmm. They probably need even more linebackers. So my guess is, and we were just talking about Gallimore's trade bait, my guess is they'll get a, they'll have to get a veteran linebacker in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clark, yeah, he showed some stuff last year over Sean as a rookie. Cox, hmm, he hasn't really played much. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of inexperience in that group, and you probably want a veteran presence in there. You know, the type of, oh, I forgot his name. What was the guy we got from Detroit at the time? Uh, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Detroit. Um, so, well, that's a trivia question for the for the listeners. Are you uh, talking about Justin Durant? Yes, oh. correct, correct. Yes, yeah, he was a he was a veteran they brought in. He had a lot of playing time in the end, uh, but he was also just a transition player. I think he was here for two years, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's probably the type of veteran you're looking for. Yeah, you know, when we were talking about Gallimore, I had exactly the same thought. I thought, I, I, I thought, you know, if they can, if they can trade him for a veteran linebacker who doesn't have any real starter aspirations, but has, you know, his experienced, solid, dependable special teamer, then that's, then that's a good, mm-hmm. a good swap. Yeah, I mean, we had Anthony Barr last last year, and I mean, he he was okay. I mean, he wasn't like a liability by any means, but he also wasn't really a playmaker too. And I, I wonder if we had get a player like that, that in here. I mean, that's great for depth, but do you really want him take, taking reps from some of these younger guys? Cause there's a lot of, a lot of youth that we want to see. I mean, we got, we got to give, we, Damone Clark needs to be on the field. We want to give Overshone the opportunities, you know, and then of course, you know, Devin Harper, we want to see more, but then there's that Isaiah land too, that the undrafted free agent guy. There's if, you know, Lars mentioned six of them. So there's going to need, there's going to be another one that needs to, to show up too. So I don't know. I, I do. If it happens, I think it's, you know, one of those things that just happens right at the end where they just bring him in and sign him at the, like yeah. similar yeah. to like what they did with Anthony Barr. Then the name, yeah. the name I want to throw out. So I don't think actually they're going to trade for an Anthony Barr type. I mean, Anthony Barr was brought in to lend veteran experience as a starter, as a sort of third linebacker starter. He was basically the insurance against Damone Clark's development, right? Yeah. And they needed that because Damone Clark needed some time because of his injury. And, um, and then, you know, Damone Clark came on and Anthony Barr's sort of role, role began to decline a little bit. I think that they're going to bring in a guy. And the, the only name that leaps to mind is one from way, way, way back in the past from, you know, the, the 90s, which is a guy like Matt Vanderbeek. He was technically a linebacker, but he was, a, he was, you know, he was technically a linebacker and he got like mop-up duty snaps at the end of games where the Cowboys had a big lead because those teams oftentimes had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. So he did get linebacker snaps, but his primary role was as a special teams ace contributor, core special teamer. So I think if they mm-hmm. bring in if they bring in a veteran linebacker, it's going to be someone with that profile, not the Anthony Barr profile. They don't need that anymore. I don't think that that's oh, I have they, a special teams that linebacker. Sure. I have a special teams linebacker just waiting. Who's that? Oh, the great Martin Zacha. I was going to say he, he went out, collected some experience at other stops. He's ready to come back home. Yeah, he's had a, he's had a year of rest now. So <laughs> that's right. 
<laughs> Nobody, he's I in the right. best shape of his life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew we weren't going to get through this without a you know Nizacha <laughs> reference. <laughs> All right, moving along to players that are going to play for an NFL team this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lars. Uh, you know, it, you know when you look at uh, the cornerback spot in this group here, and, and, and Lars's article too. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of different different opinions going on with this, and you know for good reason because there's a lot we don't know. Um, you know the main guys, the the main three. I think we all love those guys. Super excited about getting Stephon Gilmore. You know I think this just solidifies the Cowboys starting three linebackers there, and they can keep Bland in the slot where I think he he plays the best. So it's great starting three. But after that, I I don't know. I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. So I'm going to throw this, some names out at you, and then I want you guys to help me sort through this. We got Jordan Lewis, which most people seem to like other than me. You got uh, the rookie, Eric Scott Jr. You got Kelvin Joseph, which, you know, hasn't panned out, but is it too are we? Is it time to give up on him? We don't know. And then, of course, the Oregon State Beaver alum uh, that I've been trying to get you guys to jump on board with is that uh, <laughs> Nashawn Wright, who, by the way, had a really nice pick in uh, yesterday's practice. Yeah. So uh, go Beavs. Go Beavs. Yeah. So anyway, what do you? How's this going to shape out? What I mean, how many are we keeping and who, who are we keeping? Lars, give me your thoughts here. So we we had a, a call almost at the same time last year, and I remember we were talking about Deron Bland as a possible standout in camp. So there was early buzz there for that guy, and uh, and we're ha- we getting the same this year. Uh, uh, Scott is creating so much buzz already in OTAs and he would have been a unanimous pick if Makoda hadn't uh, published early because he published his projection in early May before OTAs but I think so So Eric Scott is Eric, Eric, I think Eric is his name mm-hmm. Eric Scott, he's probably the guy uh, that's, uh, that's penciled in at number 4 mm-hmm. which makes the situation for the other guys even tougher yeah? and uh uh, I, I worry a little bit that uh, that Joseph might be the, the odd man out. Uh, his injury is it's unclear how how he'll how fast he'll recover from that, uh, and with all the baggage that comes with him, that might be the the odd man out here. I agree that Wright is still an interesting prospect. Uh, he saw some action last year. Oh, he, he might be he might still be able to develop him, and Lewis at least is a veteran presence that you can mostly count on. Yeah, um, so that's where I stand. I, I mean, I, I I would agree 100%. You know, one of the things that, that OCC wrote in his article is that cornerback is the only position where we'll see real competition in camp. And one of the things that I was wondering is, do, do the coaches see it that way? And I think that the thing that you just brought up about Scott is, is really important because given the coach's behavior um, during OTAs, it seems pretty clear that the way that they're treating Scott is not sort of, they're not just like, Hey, let's, you know, let's pat him on the head and give him some reps that he's not ready for. They, they really believe that he's got a legitimate opportunity. I mean, they, they had him running with the starters and it wasn't because everybody else in front of him was injured. I mean, they had him running with the starters because they wanted to get him reps with the first team. So there's something about him that they liked from the jump. Um, I also think that I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Lewis doesn't see the field at all this year. I think he's, I think mm. they're stashing him basically right now as, as insurance so that when he's healthy and comes off, if they need somebody, if they need a slot corner or somebody gets injured, he's a great thing to have. I mean, in some ways I think that they, that they're like, yes, this injury is beautifully timed because it gives us an opportunity not to have to make an excruciating decision, but we also have someone who's experienced, who's tough, who we can bring in. Um, I would have said Kelvin Joseph, is, is going to make the, the team as the backup slot. That That's the thing. I mean, you were saying earlier, like, we know one of the things that, that OCC's article makes clear is there's precious little actual competition for real, for real roster spots, and the competition only opens up when guys get injured. Well, this is a great example of that. Yeah. No, and I, one thing, too, I want, want to mention, too, is, you know, people will – question like why I'm so quick to write off Jordan Lewis and it's the $4.5 million cap hit that mm. is the reason. And, and it's, it's not, it's that combined with where he fits on the depth chart. And if, if, if what you guys are ta- saying right now and, and what we're seeing is accurate with, with the rookie Scott, I mean, if he's, if he's like cornerback four and if, if somebody were to get hurt and like, he's the guy that would be the next man up that now means that Durant, Durant Bland, 
plan does not have to move outside you know if so he stays there so that just even more pushes less of a need for a player like lewis uh and in my opinion too so uh i just feel like the really the only thing that i'm going to be keeping my eye on is going to be those second round day two picks second third round picks uh in two a couple years ago with uh kelvin joseph and nation Wright. and which one of those guys if any can show up and emerge and make plays and and be counted on to just to keep going they are like they know they still have time but it's you know i to me it's almost a coin flip i think there's more athleticism you know the traits are there with joseph but also i don't know that there might be more consistency with nation i don't it's going to be tough but to me that's the only battle i see and um and yeah i, I agree with you rabs lewis i don't see him playing for the cowboys this season not unless somebody gets injured. I don't think. Which so I, I, I think I think I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm hoping I'm not jumping the gun and providing a, a segue when it's you know or stealing that opportunity from you. But I think that one of the things we have to consider here also is, given the sort of revelation that Mukwamu offered last year in the playoffs when they put him in the slot, do we can we think of him as a cornerback or at least partially a cornerback? And so if we think about the, you know who's going to make the roster as a cornerback. Yeah, we sort of think of him in the same way we think of someone like Golston, who's a sort of you know hybrid player. But but you know we can certainly count him as a corner as well, especially if we're looking at who might emerge from this fray as the backup slot. Yeah, no, and, and that's 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 part of it too. Is I already had McQuamo penciled in as the slot two, tie, basically tied with with Jordan Lewis at the hockey mm-hmm. bar. So that could mean that even Jordan Lewis could be slot number three. But as you pointed out, you know McQuamo he. He's an interesting interesting piece to this because now he's dealing with an injury. And, you know, as you said, unless an injury happens, uh, well, now we have some injuries happening to our uh, other players in the secondary, our safety. So moving along to the safety spot, so Dono's he's dealing with a cat, calf injury now. We're looking at six weeks there. I don't haven't got any details on Mukwamu's injury as far as what that's going to be. But basically, two, two safeties, two of the... You know, I think we could agree that they're going to be key pieces to this defense this season. They're going to miss some time. Um, fortunately yep. for the Cowboys, they're deep at safety. They have um, really good players. I mean, J. Ron Curse is really good. Uh, Malik Hooker, really good. Great free agent acquisitions, and certainly they've been uh, you know holding down the fort there. So if, if you're going to lose a, a good one of those good players for a little bit of time, you know, safety's one of those spots where I don't think it hurts you. Uh, but is there room for anybody else to sneak on on the roster? And so, you know, one of those names is Marquise Bell, the undrafted free agent from a year ago. Uh, I think that we would probably agree that he's probably the top dog in line for the ne- next opportunities there. So, Lars, you think Marquise Bell is in the mix here? Yeah, I, th- I think he's probably too good to be the number 54 guy. Um so as, as you look at, you also have to, you know, as you construct this roster, you have to think about who are your best 53. I, I don't think he's number 54. There's probably someone else on this roster that, that would lose his job and they'd rather keep Bell. Mm-hmm. Plus with, you know, with Wilson out, uh, yeah, the, 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 the position gets thin uh, and you like to keep some extra stuff there. Rabs? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that if we really think about Especially if we think about Mukwamu as a kind of swing when he, you know, when he comes back. If we think about him as a swing, then we're really thinking about if we're thinking about the secondary as a sort of larger unit, and as opposed to two two discrete, you know, rooms. Then, in some ways, we're really talking about Marquise Bell versus Nation Wright or something like yeah. that, right? Nice. And in that case, I think we're taking Bell. Yeah. Uh, one thing's for sure is we're going to be able to. St- see more of them now. His the opportunities are going to be more plentiful with, with those guys missing time. And we'll see what we, uh, what we have. And also wouldn't hurt if I think he, of the, of the depth guys, you know, he's got some, some coverage ability. Um, and you know, that's one of the things the Cowboys are deep there, but outside of Malik Hooker, not a great, they don't have a lot of uh, guys who can cover. So be curious to see. I think, I think one thing that it, it's, it's always, it's always good to remember is, and you, you know, you, you, I have a couple of, you know, gray-haired historians on the podcast with me here today. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'd like to ask you this: like, 
Can you think of a time when there was someone who was a, a undrafted free agent or like a mid to late third day pick who became great, who didn't make a splash almost immediately? Hmm. Like we know right away when those guys are have the stuff. Like, and if you remember, like last year, Marquise Bell immediately made an impression. And it feels like whenever there's that, that guy who's a seventh rounder, uh, you know, whom he sometimes they make an impression and then fade. But like if they're going to be a player, they almost always impress from the beginning. Like there's just something about them, the way they carry themselves, the way they conduct their, themselves. There's a there's a weird way in which somehow the draft overlooked them, and they have the they have the sort of physical characteristics that are necessary for success at the position. And Marquise Bell is that guy. You know, Tyler Coyle's not that guy. I mean, we love Tyler Coyle. He's like he has all these measurables, but he never really did that. Marquise Bell, like from the second he hit, so the second he got off the charter and and got to the team, he impressed. Yeah. And so there's something about that. I think I think that. I think he's got a place on this team for, I mean, he may never be a starter, but I think he's got a place on this team. Yeah. Well, I, and we're all hoping that it works out too, because I mean, Curse and Hooker are only here for one more year. So, you know, we, we're going to need some safe safety help. So uh, definitely if, uh, if he merged, that would be uh, beneficial to the team. So let's finish things off. We'll, you know, run, round down the specialists. Nobody really cares so much about it. You know, anger, anger is going to be our, um, Punter, and then uh, the, we have a new long snapper. But so we have a kicking battle. Nobody really knows who's going to end up there. It looks like everyone chose the new toy, Aubrey, uh, where I just went with the guy the Cowboys brought in first, which was Vis- Viscano. So uh, honestly, I can't tell you how that's going to shape out. But, you know, one of those guys is one of those guys going to be our kicker? Do you guys can answer that? And then, of course, finally, is C- will CJ Goodwin make the team? He's a special teams ace. That's all he does, though. Um, can the Cowboys find enough special teams help to where they don't have to fill a roster spot with a player like Goodwin? Quickly, give me your thoughts, Lars, on the specialist. What do you think we're going to see there? So, kicker, I don't, I don't care. I think the team has shown they can get a guy when they need a guy. So maybe, maybe they have the guy. If not, they'll get the guy. So that's it's as simple as that. Great answer. And for Goodwin, and I think for Goodwin, the time has run out. Yeah. I don't think he's going to make the team. Rabs, I, 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 I couldn't have said it better. I think that I think that's right. Um, I hope somebody else can step up, or or at least they're deep enough across their special teams where they don't need to have someone who's such a specialist. But I, I think that, um, you know, he's he was a great special teamer, and and you know, kudos to him for carving out a career when he really didn't have the coverage ability to succeed in the NFL. Uh, you know, what a what a what a great what a great pro he has been. But I do think I do think that the, the Times Winged Chariot visits all of us, and it, and, it, and you can hear it, you can hear it galloping behind him. Yeah, totally agree there. I mean, I love the player, and you know, there was a time where I thought that it, it made sense, but I just I feel like the Cowboys can find enough players elsewhere. Uh, to... So can I say one thing? So given the given the locks in in, uh, in OCC's article, we had 22 offensive guys, 21 defensive guys, and then if we include Goodwin, four specialists, right? So that's a total of 43, 47 guys. So if we were if we're talking about a 53-man roster, we're talking about six, maybe seven positions, and I think that's pretty typical, right? I think most years mm-hmm. we go in and there's there's somewhere between five and eight positions that are actually being contested. And I think the other thing about that that's, that's really important to remember is they will continue to be contested throughout the year, right? Those those positions, not only are they battled, you know, sort of fought for during training camp, but they're fought for by every other cast off in the NFL or a guy gets cast off from his team throughout the rest of the year. They're, so they're, they're fluid. And, we, and, and, and ultimately, like, we shouldn't really concern ourselves with them because if any of those guys need need to be at or asked to make a contribution, then this season's in the tank. Yeah. Nope. I totally agree. Nope. You know, it's a, it's a great way to look at it. I'm really glad that, uh, <laughs> it's a cynical way, but <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that uh, the cool one, you know, put this out there too. So it really just kind of helps get us focused in on what we really be paying attention to in training camp. Next week, when the three of us will all be there, you know, watching all these players um, perform, and it's it's been great to have you on, Lars. It's always great when you, you come on and hang with us, uh, and it's even going to be greater next week when we're uh, 
you know, hanging in person. But thank you for coming on today and uh, talking this roster stuff with us. And uh, now we get to see, uh, you know, who's going to be right. You know, all these all these opinions that we have. Let's just, you know, I know I keep score. So, uh, and uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's see how this all turns out. But thank you again for uh, joining us today. Safe travels. Thank you very much. And that is all we have for today's show. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys Hot Topics, any roster battles you're looking forward to watching, or, you know, what is something that you absolutely dread, you know, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFanum24. And Rabs is at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow of the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue. And we will catch you later. Class is dismissed. And the next time we talk to you, we will be in Oxnard. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.